Well, hello there. Richard Tubb here with another episode of Tub Talk, the podcast for IT consultants. Now, this season, we're focusing on speaking to IT solution providers and managed service providers just like you. We want to understand what makes them tick. And specifically, we're speaking to the MSP companies that won awards in the recent MSP awards by SuperOps. So today I'm joined by my good friend, Simon Heath of The Final Step, who won the award in the MSP with the best work culture category of the MSP awards. Now, Simon is a director in The Final Step, which is one of London's most famous and historical MSPs. More on that shortly. But Simon, welcome to Tub Talk. Hi, Richard. Really nice to see you again. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's good to be here. My pleasure. Now, I mentioned the introduction. We are friends. We've known each other for a while now. I'm trying to remember when we first met. I think it must have been HTG in Birmingham, would it be? HTG Birmingham. Was that 2009? 2009. Something like that, I think. (laughs) Quite some time ago. But we used to run managed service provider businesses together. We were in the same peer group. And it was way back in Tub Talk episode 119 when I spoke with the founder of The Final Step, our mutual friend, Roger Pagadala, and we talked about why building a white glove MSP leads to better client relationships. So, Roger, you and I have known each other for many, many years now. In fact, you're two of my closest friends in the industry. So I'm, I'm honored that I get the opportunity to speak with not just Roger, but you on the podcast as well. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. Yeah, it's it's good to talk about it. And it's, yeah, it's time has flown past, really. It's been yeah. a long time that we've that we've known each other. Yeah, I, I guess we should kick things off. Tell us a little bit more about the final step. I, I mentioned we interviewed Raja back in Subtalk 119, but for anybody who didn't hear that episode, who are the final step? Where do you work out of? What type of clients do you work with? Yeah, sure. So we're a London-based MSP. We're a small business. There's 20 guys, 20 people in it. And we were very happy to serve, to stay small and to look after small and medium-sized businesses. Most of our clients are professional service firms. So they understand, you know, time is money. And they like the idea, or they at least understand the idea of paying for expertise. They want to they want to get a certain reassurance in areas that they're not familiar with, and they want to increase their ability to make well-informed decisions in a short period of time. So that's really why they they work with us and outsource their IT to us. Yeah, and I mentioned that you know in the, the episode title of that episode 119 with Roger, I referred to you as a white glove MSP because the professional services companies you work with, they tend to be quite time poor, don't they? And they just need things done as soon as possible. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. I think it's the question is you need you need help in areas that you don't know about, mm. and like you say, you're time poor, so you, you need that help to be to be timely and efficient. I think you also you just need people who you like to spend time with. Yes, because I think there's kind of a reluctance. It's like, oh my god, it's it's an IT meeting, you know, and people go. But I think if they if they genuinely get something from the conversation and they like you, it actually makes a very big difference as to how that conversation will go and to how much they will they will listen to you and take your advice. Yeah, and you've been doing this for a while now. Remind me, how long have the the final step been around? Well, the final step was founded in 1987. Mm. So whatever that is, 36, 37 years, something like that. So yeah, it's it's a long time. 
Yeah, I've never asked you this as friends or or even on a professional level, but what drew you to working in the managed service provider industry? When did you join the final step? What what did your journey look like? Yeah, I guess it was probably (laughs) not traditional. I think a lot of guys get into MSP business because, you know, they're technical and they, they love the technical world. That was not me at all. I actually used to be an actor. And so I was working in the theater. And of course, working in the theater means that probably as much time as you are genuinely working, you're spending equal amounts of time not working. Mm. And so that means, well, you know, you're not putting food on the table, you're not putting a, you know, a roof over your head. So it then becomes a question, well, what am I going to do to earn money? And so I used to temp and I used to kind of work in offices. And that meant that I got to know software. And then it was like, oh, well, you're an actor. You're used to speaking. Why don't you stand up and train people? So I then used to get to do quite a lot of training. And then, as you said, you know, Roger and I have known each other a a long time. We went to school together. So he was then running his own IT business. And then occasionally I used to go in there and I used to kind of help him out. And then it got to a point where I I was doing reasonably well sort of acting. You know, I could have kept on doing the kind of work that I was doing. But it wasn't financially rewarding and it didn't look like I was going to make a leap into either more lucrative work or or indeed actually more rewarding kind of work, the kind of work that I wanted to do. And, you know, in my mid-30s, I was thinking, well, you know, do I do I really want to be sort of living on the breadline a bit like this and living a bit more hand to mouth? Fun though it was. And so I decided actually, you know, let, let's get a bit more serious and a bit more responsible. And so then I, I think one of the things about working with somebody you know and a company that you like is that I knew there was a good sort of match between our values, you know, and I, and I knew that Raja conducted business in a way where where business was an alien world to me and technical stuff was an alien world to me. I thought, well, actually, there's there's something here where I can fit in because I, I know kind of how he likes to conduct himself and conduct his business. And so that that seemed to be a pretty good fit. Yeah, I you must have told me in the past that you were an actor. And oh my goodness, you must be I think you're the first actor we've had, had on here on the podcast. We have had MSP owners who are as handsome as George Clooney or as beautiful as Charlize Theron, but I don't think we've had any actual actors on the show before. So there we go. Well, actually, I did my acting in your kind of part of the world because I, I got my equity card in, in Birmingham. Ah, then, right, then my hometown. I worked under contract quite a long time in Wolverhampton. Yes, wow. So, yeah. Well, we've had people from a variety of backgrounds on here, but never an actor before, so you're breaking ground with that one. I want to pick up on something you said, though, and that is about, you know, the, the values that you and Raja share. I want to elaborate on that a little bit for this episode. So before we do that, though, I guess you must be really pleased to win the Best Work Culture Award in the MSP Awards by SuperOps. Tell us more about why you think the final step won that award. I Yeah, I mean, we we were very pleased to win the award. You know, it's, it's always nice to win kind of any award. Why did we win it? I think it must be in part due to longevity. Mm. You know, when you've been around as long as we have, you've had plenty of experience, both good and bad. And I think if you're willing to learn from that experience and, you know, reshape what you do and reconsider what you're going to do with it, you're probably going to pick up enough to to make some changes that are worthwhile and significant and help the people that you're looking to serve and those people that you're working with in order to get that sort of organized. I think the other reason that we that we wanted was actually what we were talking about, you know, how you and I met. That's peer group experience of yes. how you how you build a company. 
is really, really important. It's basically it's a, it's a group of companies getting together, deciding to be open and honest with each other, to share their experience and their data, and to combine their efforts on kind of problem solving as to how do we do this better. And that's not always an easy ride doing that. Definitely. Because I think if you're in a group that is well facilitated and where you have, you build trusted relationships, then people are very open to challenging you. And so there's that, that can become quite a, a crucible, I guess, in which your sort of metal is, is tested. And one of the potential long-term benefits of that is, you know, if that metal gets melted and it gets pulled into a different kind of mold, you become a different kind of company as a result of it, if, if you're open to that experience. And I think that a lot of what we are now has been shaped by the the number of years that we spent sort of undergoing that experience and benefiting from others' experience, others' input, and others' challenge to us to be better. Yeah. Let's delve a little bit further into that. We've already mentioned values. I think most people would suggest, hey, yeah, we've, we've got certain values that we live by. But when we talk about culture, especially for businesses, there's a danger that it gets seen as a buzzword or a mission statement or some other document, Simon, that you put together when you first setting up the business and then sort of sort of throw it away. What does culture mean to the final step? What is the culture at the final step? Like a lot of businesses, you know, Raj has spent some time going away and thinking, you know, answering that question, you know, why are we in business? What what's what's the point of it? What why another MSP or yet another MSP? Why why we needed I think for him and for the rest of the organization, it became about how do we help people fulfill their potential? And by that, you know, by people, he means the staff, uh, the community, so the HTG, the Evolve, the clients, and the wider community as well. And I think that's that's quite a different mindset, you know, to be off service. Obviously, businesses want to make money, you know, but that is quite a different mindset to say, you know, how can we be of service? And that sets you up for dealing with people in, in a significantly different way. I think one of the core kind of texts of HTG is, is Bob Berg's The Go-Giver, which I know you're very familiar with. And usually, yeah. Probably gets mentioned on, on your pod. We've had Bob <laughs> on, the, on the podcast before now. Right, yeah. okay. I think that barely an episode goes by, Simon, that I don't mention Bob Berg and the Go-Giver. I should be on commission with him. So, <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah, the, the Go-Giver is a, a business parable and it's, it's the reverse, I guess, of the Go-Getter. It, yeah. It's not about what can you accrue, what can you bring to yourself, what can you, you know, store and keep it's about actually how much can i give how much can i help how much can i provide and that's a very different mindset and you know we don't we don't have commission salespeople because the sales that we do are actually what do you need as a client what what is your roadmap what's going to serve your business goals and it sort of takes care of itself yeah. and i think I think clients notice that and feel a difference when they, you know, when they talk to us about things. Yeah. And and that's that could be considered a relatively alien sort of cultural phenomenon, but actually it serves us very well, I think. 
I was about to say there's going to be a lot of MSPs listening to this and thinking the next stage of their growth, or perhaps they're in that stage of growth, and they think, oh, yeah, we need to hire salespeople. So what you've just said about we don't have salespeople is going to be an alien concept. You are not alone in this, though. Simon, I was speaking to Scott Riley, who runs Cloud Nexus, an MSP based up in Leeds, and they are one of the UK's fastest growing MSPs. And they don't have salespeople. They follow the approach that you talk about, which is they provide value, they listen, they they serve their their clients, and the growth comes organically through that. So tell us a little bit more about that. What you know, how do you find new business, for instance? I mean, like a lot of companies, our best source of news business is referrals. Yes. Because I think if people enjoy working with you and they genuinely derive a lot of value from it and they feel the benefit from it. You know, they're generous with how they refer because I think referrals are always quite a nervous time because I think if you refer somebody, it's like, well, is it going to work out? Am I going to regret it? You know, and so I think referrals are, you know, are not to be taken lightly. And that's that's where we find a lot of our business. But of course, you know, sales and marketing are, are also important. And I think in marketing, like many people these days, we we take the philosophy that actually, you know, we need to tell our clients stories. And that's what we try to do so that people understand, okay, this is this is what you're wanting for your business, and this is how we can fit in and help you get to that goal. And so I think that is the the approach that we take. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for anybody listening to this who's perhaps heard about the Go-Giver and Bob Berg for the first time, I'm sure that Simon, they can't have been listening to the show and not heard me mention it before, but it was back in Tub Talk 43 that we mentioned how being a Go-Giver can increase your MSP sales. Highly recommend people go and check that out. But still on the, the subject of culture, of course, a big event happened you know, not so long ago, huge global events, that of course being the COVID-19 pandemic. What impact did the COVID-19 pandemic have on the culture at the final step? Did anything change? Did you have to change the way that you view the, the world and dealing with members of staff, for instance? I think so. I, I, I wonder how much of it was a change and how much was it a reinforcement of mm. values, I guess. It's relatively easy to be a go-giver in a time of abundance and but when things are when things are tight and difficult that's when your values are really put to the test i think agreed yeah you know i'm sure we all remember no eggs on the shelves no toilet paper on the shelves and and it, it's not it's not difficult to slip into that mindset of i better keep this stuff to myself you know mm. i better but i think that actually we we were true to our values and i think we said listen, we're part of a community. We take the long-term view on relationships. And, you know, those clients that were struggling because of, through no fault of their own, just through the nature of their business, you know, their, their trading was severely impacted. We took the decision, well, we're going to continue to support you. We're in this together. We're, we're going to see it through and let's figure it out. And so I think that element of, you know, how can we help? How can we be of assistance? And I think... It, it wasn't as if it was the first time we've had, because obviously having been around for a time, we've ridden a couple of recessions out. Yes. And some of those recessions have hit some of our clients quite severely. And in similar circumstances, you know, we, we similar economic circumstances, we have supported 
clients. It's it's not been quite as global as it was this time, you know. So we 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 have clients in property who were very severely hit by a couple of recessions, and, we're, and we we stood by them. But I, so I think we were true to those values. I think what happens in that case is we also have to be take very good care of the staff. And I think one of the things that we sort of knew, but we kind of relearned is that there's a need to over-communicate. I think often as a as a management team, you can think, oh, I've said it. Surely they've heard it and they understand it. <laughs> and actually there's, you know, there is a need to actually keep on repeating things fairly regularly. And, you know, I think there's a saying that, you know, if you, if you, tell somebody something seven times they'll go yeah i think you told me that once a long time ago <laughs> like uh, perhaps yeah, yeah. you've only told me twice that you were an actor before and it's not <laughs> yeah. and so i i think i think we one of the adaptations we made was i think we increased the communication in the knowledge that actually going quiet not being transparent and i think that's one of the things that you know our colleagues have really liked about our approach we have a monthly meeting we're very transparent about where the company is what it's trying to do how people fit into that no questions are off the table you know they can ask anything that they want and certainly when we ask people who join us new arrivals are quite surprised by the nature of our company meetings and the level of transparency in them and they go, wow, this is really refreshing. You know, it's really refreshing to be able to ask anything. It's really be really refreshing to hear this stuff. It's really refreshing to be part of the conversation. Uh, and so I think that trying to keep communication channels really sort of open and clear and over communicating was, was important. And uh, I think as well, the other thing that happened during COVID was planning. So, so we have a, a process for, it's a very simple process, but it's, it's relatively difficult to do. But we believe that IT should fulfill the business goals of the company, the, the client that you're supporting. And so business goals first, IT follows second and tries to fulfill that. And we have plans. So we review where they want to be. We review what might help in terms of productivity, competitiveness, whatever the long-term goal is. We build a roadmap. We do and review that on a regular basis. We do board reports. And so it's a relatively simple process, but it's it's not that easy to do it well. And I think what that highlighted was if you need to pivot in a company, you know, there's a saying, you know, planning is essential, but all plans are useless or, you know, no plan survives contact with the enemy. But actually we were surprised to learn how grateful clients were for it's really we're really really glad we had that plan because mm. basically what we did was we took the plan out and we went scratch that and that this now becomes crucial let's do this and let's move it forward and the number of people who said you know we're so glad we did this or that aspect of the plan normally it was journey to the cloud or lots of voip things got brought forward but i think I think you're much more agile if you have a plan and you can bring it out and then you can just say, what are we going to do this differently for whatever reason? It could be the pandemic or it could be, you know, some other business curveball that comes up. I, I think that's those that is very useful. Yeah, I can hear the words of our friend and mentor, Arlen Sorensen in my hair. He talks about discipline and planning are vital to business success. So what you've just shared there absolutely matches up with that. Okay, I think for anybody listening now, we've talked about culture, we've talked about values. Of course, 
hopefully by this stage you can see the success the final step have had simon and roger have had is you know culture is not just a buzzword but simon question for you for any msps listening to this and thinking we've not intentionally built a culture yet where can they get started with building a positive culture for their business probably your greatest limit as an organization is what's the capacity of the people that you have that's the thing that's going to move you furthest forward. And so those people decisions are really crucial. It's, it's, you know, it's a very common sort of phrase, the right people on the right bus and in the right seat. So I think that's really important. So I think looking at those, how do we recruit? And I guess the, the, the common problem is thinking, you know, you're a great judge of people but you need a process that's rigorous. You need as many data points as you can get your hands on. Yes. And make sure that make make sure that you you know your your decisions are based on some factual stuff, not just, you know, how it feels yes. and some evidence based. Managing by by data points as opposed to gut feeling. Yeah, ex- exactly, because I don't think anybody is that good a judge of people. No, I've been I've been caught out numerous times where I feel like I'm a good judge of character, but I think a lot of people do, don't they? And then you know you get surprised, and not always for the better. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's a difficult experience to have because every you know every hour that you save on the recruitment, where you go, oh yeah, no, I've made a decision. It looks it looks right. You know, you could pay for that decision in hundreds of hours later on clearing up the mess which quite frankly you're responsible for yeah and so and so those decisions are are really important and i think then the onboarding and then of course the development because you really want people to have a good experience when they first meet you you want to make a good first impression you've only got one chance to do that and then you want to keep on developing them so i i think that those those decisions around people are really important and building the right culture around those. And of course, that that then influences a whole other bunch of areas like, you know, what are your goals? How are they going to fit in? You know, how are you going to do teamwork and get people making decisions? And so if you're if you're really starting from scratch, you know, there are a number of sort of pre-built systems out there like gazelles or traction or hiring consultants who can help you grow your business and the peer groups. And I would say trying an approach that is not dissimilar from that and, but maybe focusing on the people decisions and building out around those. Yeah, that's great advice. And especially on the the peer group front that you talked about where I think you and I would probably agree after many, many years of doing this and being in the same peer group together, this is a this is a road that you don't want to travel on your own. It's a lot faster and a lot better when you've got other people along there, peers to support you in the process. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And and I think you need those challenges. We, we all have our biases and preferences and comfort zones. And uh, painful though it is, as I alluded to earlier, it, it's, it's good to have those examined closely by people that you trust. Yeah, exactly. I can. I mentioned earlier on that you and Raj are, you know, two of my best friends in this industry. Not afraid, though. I should say you are my best friends because not afraid of challenging me uh, in the past. But the reason that I listen to your advice is I know it comes from a, a good place. You're not 
But Berg Gaines is, says something along the lines, to paraphrase him, it was like, it isn't interesting when people say they've got to be brutally honest. They're more interested in being brutal than honest. And I found that to be true. But with people that you can count on as true peers, as true friends like yourself and Raja, you've given me great advice that has sometimes shocked me and woke me up. You know, perhaps I'm going down an avenue that I don't want to. So I'll say publicly, thank you for that. And, and thank you for, for all that you're sharing on the podcast here as well. Well, yeah, and I think likewise that, you know, talking about developing people, I think what you've what you said there is really important. You you've it's a very tricky skill to learn, but you've got to learn to have those those challenging conversations, but in a supportive way. Yeah. And I think were you at the when you were in nineteen eighty, did you see Kim Scott's radical candor? Was that the event where I, I've come across that? the work before, yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's the attitude of, you know, care personally and challenge directly. Mm. And, and I think that's that's really it. it's a really important part of building a culture where you'll actually get results. Because in the end, what you want is results. But if you can't have those trusted conversations, the resulting commitment to action, you're not going to get the results that you want. Yeah, absolutely. Wise words for anybody listening. You've we talked about the awards before. I know the final step have won numerous awards, but where did you hear about the MSP awards by SuperOps? How, how did you find the entry process as well? That's a very good question. How did we hear about it? And that, I'm not fishing to say you heard of it via me, by the way, because yeah, I, I'm just intrigued for any MSPs listening. They think, oh, awards. I didn't know about that. What should I enter? So, you know, what do you keep an ear open for these type of things? Yeah, we we do. I mean, a certain number come come our way, I guess. But no, I I think I may have heard. I think it was definitely by email. I know that, mm-hmm. and I think it may have been your email roundup. Yes, that's what I think it was. Again, I wasn't fishing. I know for, I for know. a plug for MSP Insights that goes out every Tuesday. I wasn't fishing <laughs> for that. But when does it go out? Tuesday, every Tuesday. <laughs> But there's going to be a lot of MSPs who are listening to this, Simon, and and all season we've been speaking to the awards winners like yourself, who are thinking, oh, you know, awards, yeah, that's only for the big boys. We're not ready for an award. I disagree with that. What's your thoughts on awards in general? What's the real value for going through these awards processes? Yeah, actually, when you just asked me just a second ago about, you know, how do we find the process? I think the process is is actually quite refreshing. I mean, there's a there's an admin side, isn't there? Which mm. is, oh, you know, I've got to answer these questions. I've got to fill it in. There's a deadline. Gosh, I've got to write a lot. <laughs> or, oh, how do I summarize this? Or, and all those kind of admin kind of things. But I think what is genuinely refreshing about processes is, you know, it, if we're talking about culture, it's always good to take a step back on a fairly regular basis and just go, you know, what are we doing? What, what's our goal? What's happening? How are we doing? And just refresh where you think you are and where you want to get to and how you're going to get there. And actually submitting for awards kinds of, kind of does that. And I think if you, if you go back, sometimes you can be surprised and you can go, oh, wow, actually we've done more than I thought. And yeah. oh my word, you know, there's a few people I should go and thank. <laughs> you know, inside the organization and outside. And it can bring you up a bit short sometimes. And you just think, actually, have I have I been showing my appreciation sufficiently? Do, do people understand how? And so that that is, you know, that is quite a refreshing time for collection, for recollection. 
I think there's also potentially a sort of second list that you can compile when you're sort of looking at awards. And that is normally at, at some point, I mean, hopefully you're obviously filling it out because you, you feel honestly you, you qualify. But there may be times where you sort of go, oh, do I feel a little bit fraudulent? Should I should I be doing more there? Should I be, you know, can I can I do more? Is there, you know, what else should I be doing? And that's quite that's a really valuable second list to have, and to think ahead and to go, well, what would what would keep me in the running to be considered as you know uh, a good place to work? Oh well, we should do this and that, and this is new, and this has come along, and we haven't done that, you know. And I keep getting emails about I don't know whatever it is, health and well-being. And so I think it's a good thing to do. Um, and even if, as you were saying, you because I don't think they're just for the for the the big boys, you know, it's you know there are good organizations and good quality work that go on all over the place at all levels of all sizes, natures. And you know that's to be celebrated. So I think I think yes, there can be a a, a sort of stock taking part of it, which is you know pat yourself on the back, but also just check how how much further you've got to go. Yeah, I think you've you've absolutely nailed it. And for me, when I ran the MSP business and we we entered for awards, it was interesting. The the real value to us was going through the process of applying and not necessarily whether we won the award or not, because it was that that time of reflection to say, you know, actually we are further ahead than we thought we gave ourselves credit for. And secondly, oh yeah, here's something, you know, we we could be doing better there. So I think it's it's good for looking back and also good for, for looking forward yeah. as well. So I'm intrigued, Simon, would you recommend entering the wards for those reasons to any MSPs listening to this? I, I think so. And it's a little sort of benchmarking exercise, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and also you can look at, you get a chance to look at your peers and you go, what are they doing? And, you know, how they represent themselves and what ideas do they have? And, you know, it's, it's it's a slightly different version of the peer group experience because you you won't know nearly as much, but you can go, yeah, actually there's the stuff going on out there that I should be aware of that, you know, that's keeping me on my laurels. So, yeah, I, 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 th- I think it's a good thing to do. Yeah. I'm interested as well, that reflective process of going through an award and looking at where you've come from and, and things that you're doing well, give yourself a pat on the back, which we don't do often enough in this industry. I think it's got to be said, you know, to appreciate where we've come from and where where we've where we're going to next. But I'm also interested as well from the challenges that perhaps it reminds you of or brings up. What would you say has been the most challenging thing you found about working in the managed service provider industry? I think to some extent, not not coming from a a technical background, you know, it's it's it has its pros and cons. But I guess in the in the peer groups, I think I think a lot of a lot of owners came from that technical background. You know, Definitely. they were very very excited about. It. They were engineers, and whilst I guess there's a con of that of the the e myth thing, you know, you're working in not on the business, and you're always happy to jump in and fill the gaps. <laughs> Because that's in your nature, but I, but I think it also it, it does also have advantages, because it's, it's quite handy to be in meetings, particularly from a, a marketing thing where you're just trying to understand what something does, and you know, you're a, a senior tech or a project engineer or Steve, you know, our technical manager has just gone on for ages about this fantastic <laughs> thing he wants to implement, and you sort of go, mm-hmm. but what does it actually do? Yeah, why would I want to buy it? 
and so and so yeah that that has its that that has its challenges sort of personally for me which i suspect most owner managers go yeah no we know all the technical stuff we love learning that and we we love all those three letter acronyms i mean i i speak as as well you know as as a geek from this perspective and i've had to go the other way and learn the business side of things to go with that sort of techie stuff perhaps you've approached it from the you know from the other direction you know coming into this not as a techie but i think there's real value to asking those questions well why and what what's the point you know rather than just get excited about tech for the for the sake of it so I guess the the other side of of that coin would be what would you say is your favorite thing about working in the managed service provider industry? We talked about challenges, but what do you really enjoy now? I, th- I think it's really nice being of service, actually, and mm-hmm. I, I I do genuinely enjoy that sense of fulfilling organizations or people's potential. You know, it it is very nice to be able to look back on something and say, well, you know that that colleague is a better version of themselves for having worked here or that organization is a better version of themselves for having worked with us and that I'm a better version of me, you know, in 2023 than I was in 2022. So I think being able to, to look back and actually say, yeah, there has been something which has been, you know, transformational here. That is really very satisfying. Yeah, I love that. And what about talking on a transformation? What about the next, I don't know, let's say 18 months? Where would you like the final step to be in 18 months' time? I mean, we we do follow a similar system to traction. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think whatever, we we follow a, you know, basically a year's goal chunked down into quarters, like so many people do. And I think just in terms of, I I would just, it's very satisfying. I think I would just like us to be, listen, we've set our goals for the year. <laughs> if this died 80 months, it was like, we're on target. That's a very good feeling. Yeah. And whatever those targets are, whatever you're doing, I think, so I think it's it's just that sense of progress to whatever are the relevant goals that we have set ourselves. And it, it doesn't necessarily matter so much what they are, as long as we, we get the sense that actually, you know, we're, we're progressing and we're achieving what we set out to do. Yeah, a little bit like a shark. You're always moving, <laughs> otherwise you, you 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 feel as though you're going to die. So yeah. <laughs> what about the MSP industry? I think you are, and this goes for Roger as well, a student of the game. You know, we'll talk about the academic side perhaps shortly, but you know, you keep an eye on what's going on. You keep your finger on the pulse. What do you see for the managed service provider industry over the next few years? What are the big changes that you foresee coming? Big changes, I guess, you know, all the, the shiny stuff, there's AI, IoT, Power BI, all those kinds of things. I'm not sure how much of our, I'm not sure whether they've reached a tipping point for our kind of client base yet, whether, they're, you know, it's definitely making inroads. And it's, I, I, I still think, and it's not really necessarily about, you know, future tech, future big developments or anything like that. But I, I still think there's a lot of, there's a lot of room to improve customer experience by um, developing the sort of existing tool set that we have. And, you know, so ConnectWise as a PS tool is, you know, enormous. And I think, I think a little bit, you know, technology moves very fast, which means that whatever software that you've got is almost constantly improving, upgrading, has more, more feature rich. And I think that productivity and competitiveness for our clients is often about 
let's do more with less. And I think at the moment, particularly in the UK, where you know there are particular competitive and productivity challenges, I, I think there's still a lot of room, a lot of value to be gained in the tools that we've got. How do we make them work better? So you're not just using Teams as a messaging system, but actually you're using it to shorten the amount of time people spend looking for things, how people make decisions in meetings, how they communicate with each other, how teams collaborate, how they use external people. And I can't, I can never quite decide whether I'm surprised or whether it's commonplace, but you can often see existing tools just sort of neglected in a way. So, you know, the, the number of times you can look in something like as simple as a password manager and you just go, that's a pretty high percentage of high risk passwords in there. Mm-hmm. I think we should, you know, that's, you know, when we do audits on new clients, it's like that's a, that's a red, <laughs> you know, we definitely need to change that. And even simple things like people taking the long way around in sharing documents, still not using SharePoint, still not and misunderstanding OneDrive. And I think there's a lot of intellectual property for MSPs in let's get the checklists, the processes, the systems really nailed down. Let's focus on what the client wants. Let's make it easy for them. Let's teach them a whole bunch of stuff and let's really make them more productive and competitive and time efficient. Yeah. I think um, which is not quite the the focus on all the great shiny new tech, which is also coming along, which will also deliver, I'm sure, a lot of productivity to people. Yeah. Uh, going back to the systems, though, I think that's hugely important for MSP, especially any MSP listening to this. You know, it, it's the foundation, isn't it? It's the base that you build from. And all the shiny objects in the world, all the technology in the world are not going are gonna, to are not going to fix any baseline issues that you've got in that place. So, yeah, systems, systems, systems every single time. So. We talked earlier on about you being a bit of a student of the game. The listeners can't can't see this, but we're on video at the moment. And in the background, you've got your extensive library <laughs> there. And you yeah. and I talk about books, and uh, I know you're an, an avid reader. We've mentioned Bob Berg. We've mentioned Arlen Sorensen. Are there any anybody else that you would consider as mentors or influences that you'd recommend any listeners check out? Yeah, I think... There's one book that I really liked, which which is good on culture, I think, which is called Turn the Ship Around mm. by David Marquette, is it? Do, do you okay. know the book? I, I think it's uh, it might be Marquand. We can get it right in the show notes. Sorry if I'm... <laughs> find that. If we'll I'm, put that in the show uh, notes as well. It's right? saying that. But I, I think that's quite a, a strong book on culture. The, the premise of it is, is it's a true story. It's by an American naval officer who was given the worst boat, the worst submarine in the fleet and had to turn it around. And just to give you a flavor, I, th- I think the one thing that that I really took away from that book was we were just talking about systems and processes. As well as having that in your checklists and all that kind of thing, you, you also need people who can actively think, you know, and are more concerned with the outcome than following the process. Yeah. And one of the brilliant stories in that book is that the new captain of the ship gives an order. Now, unknown to him, that order is impossible to follow. And But they go ahead and they try to follow it anyway. And he's, he then talks to his XO, his second in command, and he says, what the hell was going on? And, and his second in command says, I thought you'd, at captain school, they'd talk to you something special about the boat that I didn't know. And 
that you know it would go at that speed i didn't realize it wouldn't go at that speed and he said yeah but the helmsman he must have known and he said well he was too scared to say anything and so the captain of that that was sort of an important moment for him because he said right no more orders everybody has their responsibilities everybody knows best what they should do everybody now comes and reports up so if if you want to dive the boat then you come up and you say you say what the conditions are you say captain i'd like to dive the boat can i proceed the captain then may have some questions to qualify it but then he'll say you go ahead and i i think culturally what we've always tried to do is is have staff who are active thinkers who are engaged who are invested in the process of creating those checklists and procedures which are really important and improving them constantly so that it gets a good client experience but at the same time are active thinkers and are able to go this is not the time to slavishly apply this process mm-hmm. this is the time to do something different and to report up and say this is serious we need to do something about this fantastic uh, and, that, and that sounds absolutely a fascinating book to read i've heard the story really before cool. but turn the ship around by david marquette yeah we'll include that in the show notes because that looks like one that's going to go on my reading list <laughs> It's it's well worth it. Excellent. Well, Simon, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. I it was my great desire that we get you on this season of the podcast. I know we've spoken to Roger before, explored a little bit of the final step, but I was saying to the team earlier, I was like, we've got to get Simon on the podcast here. And with you winning the awards, I thought this was a, an absolutely brilliant time to to bring you on and talk a little bit more about the final step as a business because you've already shared so much with our our listeners. So congratulations again on winning the the MSP award by Super Ops. I guess before we go, I'm intrigued as well. Have you got one golden piece of advice that you could give to anybody listening who may one day want to win an award like like the final step have? A golden piece of advice. I guess it would probably be around people. I, I would say people are always going to be challenging, I think, you know, both from yourself <laughs> and your own prejudices and biases and ideas about how they should behave and what they should do. And I think one of the most valuable things from the learn from a manager tools was concentrate on behaviors, not on, on feedback that encourages people to behave differently rather than attributing to them, you know, sort of name calling or, or, or blaming. Mm. Just say, so you know, when you do this, it has this result. So what could you do differently? And I would concentrate on, on the behaviors rather than you know, trying to diminish people or make them feel small or make them feel bad. And what is their future going to be and try and work to their strengths. Yeah. Simon, this has been absolute gold to listen to you. I could sit here and listen to you and talk talk to you about managed services and books all day, but I'm, I'm very respectful of your time. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I think there's going to be a lot of people listening want to continue the conversation with you. How can they... Re- get in touch with you yeah sure so i'm on linkedin so mm-hmm. you can find me there and uh, you can also get hold of me by email so it's just simon at the final fantastic we'll include all of those details including the books all the resources peer groups everything else that we mentioned during today's episode in the show notes that you can find at www.tublog.co.uk but simon thank you for taking the time to speak with me today i appreciate it You're very welcome. It's been a pleasure and thank you very much.
I hope we get a chance to to sit down and have a glass of wine and something to to eat very in person very very soon as that well. Should, that would be good. We should do a book club catch up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Simon. I'll see you, Richard. Take care. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.